Welcome to Commune. This is Jeff Krasnow. Our mission is to spread the ideas and practices of the world's greatest teachers. We do that through online courses, a weekly newsletter, and this podcast. On the show, I excavate perennial spiritual questions like what is consciousness? What is the nature of reality? How do we live with purpose? Reality is infinite. We experience a narrow bandwidth of it unless we transcend our senses through meditation. We delve into practices and modalities that can heal trauma and help us thrive. Mastering the art and the science of forgiveness is necessary to move through life. A miracle is a shift in perception from fear to love. We explore the spiritual traditions that help us acknowledge that we are all connected by a power greater than us. We are all indeed individuals, yet we need to find collective and communal solutions. We build a sturdy bridge between personal wellness and societal well-being. It's only when you get people who are pursuing their dreams, living their truth, and feeling good that we can actually move the needle of society forward. To learn about our courses, our community, and everything we do, visit us at onecommune.com. Okay, today on the show, I speak with Dr. Mahmoud Ghanoum. Dr. Ghanoum is the director of the Integrated Microbiome Corps and the Center for Medical Mycology at Case Western Reserve University School of Medicine and University Hospital's Cleveland Medical Center. He has been called the leading microbiome researcher in the world by the Washington Post and has published over 450 papers on how bacteria and fungi impact our health. He is also a co-founder of Biome, a company that carries out basic research on the human microbiome and has developed products to assess and support gut health. Dr. Ganoom and I delve into the 40 trillion bacteria, fungi, and archaea that live in our gut, mouth, and nostrils and on our skin. We discuss how dysbiosis and intestinal permeability, known as leaky gut, lead to chronic inflammation and subsequently autoimmune diseases and metabolic syndrome. We pull on this thread further to examine the relationship between aggressive COVID-19 and many of the chronic diseases associated with persistent low-grade inflammation. We also discuss the relationship between depression, COVID, and our microbiota. We examine the root causes of gut dysbiosis, the bodily systems that are regulated by our microbiome, and what we can do to support a healthy, thriving plethora of bacteria in our gut. I've been somewhat obsessed with this topic as I ponder the fact that most of my genome is bacterial. This has elicited both more ontological questions around who am I, but in this particular conversation, I am focused on physiology and where we can partner with our bacteria to live a healthier life. So, without further delay, here is my conversation with Dr. Mahmoud Ghanoum. Dr. Ghanoum, great to be with you. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It's a great pleasure to be with you, too. Yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time. And um, I really am 
very interested in talking uh, about the relationship between the microbiome and COVID-19. And specifically, uh, I want to talk about how the, the degradation of the microbiome or dysbiosis is related to the contraction of aggressive COVID. And, um, and related to that, I'd, must, I'd love to also explore the uh, rapport between COVID, the microbiome, and depression. And I can't yes. imagine anyone better to connect all of these dots for me and my listeners than the most preeminent expert in the world on the microbiome. <laughs> um, thank you. Thank you. Um, so I'll set it up this way. We know that COVID infection resulting in hospitalization and in some cases fatality is highly correlated with people who have multiple co comorbidities, right? So pre-existing yes. lung problems, diabetes, obesity, coronary artery disease, and, and weakened immune systems in general. And of course, I'm no doctor. I'm just a lowly podcast host. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. <laughs> but I, when I ponder this, um, I land on a chain of causal events that I want to present to you for analysis. So okay. aggressive COVID that results in hospitalization uh, and sometimes death is, is correlated with chronic disease, as I think we agree. And this chronic disease often arises from metabolic syndrome um, due in great measure to chronic inflammation in the system. And yes. we know that chronic inflammation emerges from leaky gut, intestinal permeability, and dysbiosis. And of course, this imbalance in our microbes is caused by uh, myriad environmental factors, diet, and even stress. So yes. I, I wonder if you are making this same connection. Uh, absolutely. You know, what you said to start with is very, very critical, that when people have comorbidities, and you mentioned a lot of them, you really become susceptible or predisposed to infections. And this is the same is true with COVID, because when you are healthy, a lot of the time you are able to fight these these uh, these diseases, you know, infection, or at least you will have lower chances of getting them. However, when we have a extreme immunocompromised situation, our our immune body is not well equipped to fight these infections. Guess what happened? We are easier easily infected with them and suffer with them. Okay, so when you think about it with COVID. We hear a lot about respiratory syndrome. Like they have a lot of people have issues with the lungs and that's why they need oxygenation. They, are, they put them into hospitals and try to make sure they have enough oxygen. At the same time, what we need to remember in addition to the respiratory syndromes, we have also gastrointestinal symptoms. In other words, we start to have some uh, issues with our gut. Yeah. And this really had been shown to occur in COVID patients as well. Okay. Yeah. I mean, oftentimes what we're seeing is ARDS, acute respiratory distress syndrome, or in some cases, what's known as these cytokine storms. And yes. it, it seems as though an agitated immune system that suffers from chronic inflammation might 
overreact in some ways to the presence of a virus uh, and and create these cytokine storms. And it seems like certain cytokine storms trigger cell death. And in this case, they degrade the tissue of the lungs and then the lungs fill with fluid causing pneumonia and starving the blood of, of oxygen. And, and then we're seeing you know many of these um, fatalities. But I wonder if you, for the sake of my audience, because uh, uh, my audience is very health conscious and they're um, pretty literate about things to do with their physiology, but the microbiome is so complicated and it has so much jargon associated with it. So I wonder if we could step all the way back and I wonder if you could give us just some definitional help around what is the microbiome and what it role that it plays vis-a-vis -vis the immune system. That's really great start, you know, because it's not only your individuals or, or normal people, even experts, clinicians, they don't know much about the microbiome. So let me try <laughs> to make it simpler, okay? In Great. fact, just to tell you a side story, I am writing a paper called Demystifying the Microbiome. Yes. So that, it, <laughs> so, so that people can understand. So what is the microbiome? If you think about it, germs or microbes live on and in our body. On when we, what we mean by the skin. You know, we have a lot of germs on, on our hands. And that's why when you go to the bathroom, you need to wash your hands and this sort of thing. But also in our gut, in our mouth, in our vaginal system, guess what? We also have, have that, uh, that issue, okay? So there are organisms that live on and in our body. And when I talk about organisms, what do we mean? A lot of people think of only bacteria as the organism that live in and on our body. But in fact, we have different communities of organisms, it's like group of different bugs, they live inside <laughs> us, okay? It's such as, in addition to bacteria, you have viruses, you have fungus, you have parasites, all of these as if they are living in a city, which let's call our gut a city. They are all living there and they interact together, okay? So the microbiome then is the total microbes that live on in our body with different communities that can play together to our benefit or they could harm, harm us as well. So I hope this clarifies it. Yes, that's excellent. Um, and uh, I love the way that you frame it is that we're living in a community and uh, a community needs to understand how to cooperate. <laughs> and when <laughs> social cohesion breaks down, you can have... Um, obviously dysbiosis or a disorientation imbalance in your gut, but you can also see this imbalance happening in society. And it is amazing how, much, how, how often the macro can be reflective of the micro, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's absolutely true. That's why when I, talk, I try to talk to people, I tell them, listen, uh, these microbes, when they live in our body, it's like kids playing in a sandbox. When these kids are all getting along together, we are all very happy. The parents, they enjoy themselves, they let them play. And however, if you come and bring a one bully who start to disrupt this, 
guess what? Everybody is unhappy. The kids are fighting and this sort of thing. So what we want to do with our microbes, we want them to play nice, okay? Yes. And that's what the secret. Yeah, kick Candida out of the sandbox. <laughs> we don't want him in there. So can you... So now we've established that there is this galaxy or this community of fungi and the virome and bacteria and archaea in our guts. Can you outline what systems are governed and mediated by this community? You know, this is really very, very good question because the more we learn, the more research is published. We are starting to see that the community, especially a lot of the studies which are got, uh, uh, about the gut microbes, the organisms that live in our gastrointestinal tract, they have shown to have really far-reaching effect. And this has explained in a couple of ways. One is the gut-brain access. It's like the brain is talking to our gut, but that's what we always thought. But now we know that our gut through the microbes talk to our brain. So it is bi-directional communication. And that's why microbes could affect different psychological, our mood, our anxiety, our depression. Now that's one part of the story. The other part of the story, which we don't think about sometimes is when you have a microbes in our gut, which are out of balance, which we call, as you know, dysbiosis, we also have effect on the microbes living on our skin, which we call mm -hmm. gut skin access. And actually I published a paper on that where it's very interesting. You find when somebody takes an antibiotic, which is broad spectrum antibiotic, in other words, this antibiotic kills different types of my microbes. It's not targeting uh, some, it kills the good and the bad. Right. In this case, <laughs> exactly. In this case, what happens, you will start to have not only, even though take, you take the, the antibiotic orally by a tablet, you find that the microbes in your skin are, are also affected. You see? So, you, mm. so this is telling us the microbes can affect not only our like, uh, uh, psychological issues, our cardiovascular issues, but also skin and basically our overall wellness is linked to the microbiome as these studies are shown. I think it's really important to underscore this idea that people are becoming more aware of the microbiome in our guts but they're also microbiome, as you say, on our skin, in our nostrils, uh, in the mucosa, in our mouth, on our scalp. And I've even seen um, theories around that there's a microbiome kind of aura <laughs> around <laughs> us. Um, and even though, of course, you know, just in the creation of fermented foods, like for example, um, sauerkraut, we make sauerkraut here at home in a crock. And really that cabbage is taking lactobacillus out of the air, right? Um, in its yes. fermentation process. And then eventually um, uh, the acid kind of stabilizes and I think it creates mostly lactobacillus plantarum. But, um, but so it's here, it's all around us all the time, which is uh, um, just because we can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. So yes. Um, 
One thing that I've been really curious about is the immune system and, and the microbiome. And, you know, I read a statistic that 70 or 80% of the immune system is, is in our guts. And of course, that makes sense because we have this long tube <laughs> the, you yes. know, from our mouth to, to our anus and, and everything in between. And this is the, uh, the part of us that is most in contact with potential toxins and pathogens in this immune system is fine-tuning with all everything that we put in our body. So I wonder if you could just take a moment to talk about that relationship between uh, our gut bacteria and the immune system and how they play together. Yes, definitely. So if you think about it, remember, the first definition we want to have in our gut, we have the beneficial microbes, but also we have the pathogenic microbes. So when the beneficial microbes are really surviving very well, they are happy, what they do, they secrete certain, what you call uh, short chain fatty acids, certain metabolites, which is small compounds. And these short chain fatty acids, and the one which is very famous, a lot of people talk about is butyrate, you know, butyric acid. Right. This sends a message to our you know, brain, our immune system, and improve it. The other thing, these microbes which are beneficial, like fecalobacterium, for example, they are known to be anti-inflammatory, which means they encourage the secretion of the cytokines, but they are anti-inflammatory cytokines, okay? Now, right. the flip side, if we have the pathogens there, like E. coli, Clostridium, and this sort of thing, guess what happened? They secrete what we call pro-inflammatory cytokines, mm -hmm. things that really will agitate our uh, inflammatory system and our immune system. That's why it's this balance. We need to have organisms, and what by, of course, by eating certain type of food that are more anti-inflammatory or they produce cytokines that are our, our bodies, rather than having those bugs, which we, a lot of the time we feed them with eating too much high fat, you know, the, the Western diet in, in general, because these are going to produce what we call pro-inflammatory and make our immune system worse. Yes, exactly. And I want to get into uh, eventually some of the things that we can feed ourselves to bolster our immune system and general uh, gut eubiosis. Um, but before we get into the good news, <laughs> that um, I want to probe a little bit more uh, around what toxic bacteria there are in the gut and what are some of the other inputs that create dysbiosis and then um, and in connection with that, intestinal permeability or leaky gut, which can lead to inflammation. So maybe you could spend a few minutes um, talking about what creates intestinal permeability and why that's so dangerous for, um, for our homeostasis. You know, this intestinal per permeability, Remember, we have, as you, as you described, from the mouth down to anus, we have all this tube or intestine and whatever, which should really be confining. In what way? We only need the nutrients to go through. We don't want the toxins to go through. So what happens when you have pathogenic bacteria, they produce 
lipopolysaccharides or LPS, which are toxins. And right. of course, some fungi, they, they secrete mycotoxins, for example, okay? And this, what they do, let's not talk about, okay, they produce them, but if our intestinal uh, lining is intact, it's like you have very nice plumbing in the house, no leakage will happen. However, when you have some pathogens, which the first what they do, you can imagine they stick to our uh, gut lining and then they start forming what we call a biofilm. It's like the plaque in our teeth. And when you do that, they'll start poking holes in our, between our cells. And that's why they sort of, instead of being a nice a tube which does not allow except the good stuff, the nutrients to go through, it will start this what we call leaky gut, as you say. Then we have all the LPS, the toxins, some, some food which should not go through there. And that's where the situation become really much worse. And that's where we have leaky gut, which is directly connected to, of course, inflammation and, and uh, various types of diseases. Like a lot of the time when I first uh, were looking at the leaky gut when I used to do studies with candida uh, and HIV infected patients, patients with AIDS, you know, because of their immunity is down. A lot of the time we have leaky gut there and that's why they have so many uh, uh, health issues, you know, because of the leakage and because everything can pass through. So what we need to do is we need to make sure we maintain the gut lining so that we avoid having the leaky gut. Yeah, and I'm not sure if this is an engineering flaw per se. Um, it's hard to, I don't believe na nature ever makes mistakes, but, the <laughs> but this lining, this epithelial wall is so thin, right? It's like six microns thick or something like that. Um, yes. and, uh, and so it does seem very susceptible to to puncture. And, uh, you know, I've read a, um, about a lot of different uh, potential inputs that degrade either the epithelial wall or separate the tight junctions that that form this wall. And uh, I wonder if you have thoughts about like the, um, you know, taking too many NSAIDs or PPIs or other kinds of foods that might degrade this wall or cause uh, permeability? What are some of those inputs in your opinion? Oh, absolutely. I mean, medications is one of the uh, main reasons sometimes we have effect on the microbiome. You know, it's very interesting relationship between the microbiome and the drugs we use, the medications and therapies. You know, it could be a good, but it could be bad, bad as well. Okay, so if we look at it, when you take, I gave you the best example before about antibiotics because everybody understands that you can. Right. But in addition, non-steroidal non anti-inflammatory, all of these uh, flux pump stuff, all of these can cause imbalance in our microbiome and studies have been shown to do, to do that, you know? So once you have this imbalance, you are encouraging uh, two things. Number one, you are decreasing the diversity of the microbes. What do I mean by that? You know, that it's like our society, we, the, the more diverse the society, from my point of view, at least, the better. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know? Just the pressures of uh, 
environmental pressures that, of selection there, you, you would imagine that would produce greater, better results, right? So anyway, that, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's the same, the same in our gut. The more diverse we have, yeah. the better. But when we start taking these medications and they affect some of these communities which are good, we start having the pathogen or those that can cause disease increase. And then the diversity become low. And of course, remember, when the pathogen increase, they have a tendency to, you know what? Nobody is keeping me under control. I want to attack. And so they go stick to the gut lining. And as we mentioned before, they form biofilm, they start breaking the gut lining and cause an infection. I want to give you an example, which I, I know you would love with, with respect to candida, okay? Okay. Candida, it is known as a, an opportunistic pathogen. We, when I did a study before, maybe 70, 80% of us have candida normally there, okay? So when you change this balance, candida will overgrow. And particularly with the lactobacillus, if we call the lactobacillus, because lactobacillus is the good policeman that keep candida under control. So when you get rid of it, guess what happened? Candida overgrow and start to cause problem, okay? Now, not only this, candida is smart. Once it overgrows, they say, oh, this lactobacillus keep me under control. Guess what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna inhibit it. They start to keep it down. So it's very, very interesting dynamics between these things. Yeah. So you've described how the gut wall becomes leaky and how it then uh, toxins and lipopolysaccharides leave the intestinal tract and get into the bloodstream, which then triggers an, infl an inflammatory response. Um, but of course, many of us were raised thinking that inflammation was a good thing. Like we would, you know, be playing basketball and sprain our ankle and then it would become, it would trigger an inflammatory response and white blood cells would rush to it and, and, and eventually engage in a healing process. But can you explain to us the nature of inflammation and perhaps the difference between the acute inflammation that I just described and chronic inflammation. Now, when you think about it, inflammation is a good thing. Uh, if it is keep, kept under control and we don't go into the cytokine storms that we see in COVID. Okay. Mm. Why? Inflammation is really is the response of our body to foreign objects, particularly uh, germs. So if the germs come, our bodies start to uh, produce, you know, uh, various immune cells, various uh, uh, byproducts, you know, to keep this, uh, this, this uh, microbes outside and so that we are healthy, okay? So that's one thing. Now, the other case is when we cannot control this and then inflammation go haywire. And by the, by the way, when it goes haywire, it starts to destroy the host cells, the human cells are destroyed, which is really, we don't want that, okay? So that's why it's very important sometimes to try to take, for example, cruciferous vegetables because they have some anti-inflammatory activity. So we need to keep inflammation under control. We need it, but you don't want it to go haywire, as I mentioned. 
Yeah, and it, it seems increasingly people, uh, doctors and studies are making the direct connection between this chronic inflammation and many yeah. of these cresting autoimmune diseases that we that you just referenced, like rheumatoid arthritis or psoriasis or IBS, right. yeah. et cetera. And then also very dangerous chronic diseases, some of the main killers, right? Um, yes. heart, heart disease and cancer and, and diabetes. So can you play with that for a moment? You know, what is this relationship between chronic disease and inflammation? What's happening there? I think when we look, as you said, we looked at uh, cancer, for example, in the oral tongue, oral tongue cancer, and we published that, okay? Usually what we found in addition to having imbalance in both bacteria and fungi, we start to see also there are some metabolites which these organisms uh, secrete, which also our body react to, okay? And they become, become uh, really more tumorogenic, what, like, which means induced tumor formation, okay? Now, and the chronic situation could be with us based on our uh, lifestyle as well as what we eat. If you continue eating food which does not uh, really uh, induce uh, anti-inflammatory results, you are gonna aggravate this and you will start to have a chronic inflammation which manifests itself a lot of the time with the gastrointestinal type symptoms like Crohn's disease, for example. We, you know, Crohn's disease, uh, we looked into it and we found that you know, we actually just uh, uh, about to publish a paper where we looked at some, some probiotics and we found that they start to have these uh, MIP cytokines increased, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, the same, we found that organisms such as protobacteria, when it is secreted or uh, when it is abundant, it starts to cause also effect on chronic inflammation in the gut. Okay, and we did those, uh, those studies in, in mice. And that's why we try to say, okay, we have this chronic inflammation, how to take care of it. And one of the reasons we found that people who take a lot of sweeteners, for example, these artificial sweeteners, they have high levels of these protobacteria. So mm -hmm. it's really what you are exposing your body to and how your body uh, uh, reacts to it over a long period, it does not have to be acute where we have, you know, really serious uh, infection, for example. It could be chronic, lasting for a long time, which you are keeping, probing it and causing it to uh, stay with you instead of trying to change your ways and try to reduce that, hopefully. I was reading just a fascinating um, paper about this one particular bacteria called Acromantia, I believe is the pronunciation, and, yes. um, and its relationship to cancer. And uh, of course, you're the doctor in the room, so I'll need some help here. But, uh, you know, the body is developing these kind of isolated cancer cells on a regular basis, and the immune system can actually destroy cancer cells when it when they don't metastasize or grow um, but oftentimes cancer when it's pernicious it cloaks itself biochemically and uh and goes through a process of angiogenesis and, and then begins to spread and there's this new 
a relatively recent treatment um, using checkpoint inhibitors that can actually yes. remove that cloak and let the immune system actually do its job. But if your immune system is degraded, it, it won't do its job. But the presence of this good bacteria, acromancia, seems to be able to enable the immune system to kill cancer on its own. It's amazing, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah. I, I remember acromancia really a lot of the times, like the vast majority of publications shows that it is a good uh, organism. It's a beneficial one. And in fact, some people are trying to look, can we develop acromancia as a probiotic, you know, because of these benefits you mentioned. Okay. Yeah. Now, you mentioned checkpoint inhibitors, which brings another uh, really wrinkle to the microbiome. <laughs> Studies have shown that 30% of patients, they fail uh, checkpoint inhibitors, in spite of the fact they are fantastic, they are really new innovation. And you know what they found? They found that some microbiome members that live in our gut break down the checkpoint inhibitors. And when they break them down, guess what? They become, the, the patient will not respond, will not be cured, okay? Mm -hmm. So what we did, I'm, I'm working with a group, uh, Dr. Ted Technos from, who is the head Sideman Cancer Center and uh, Quentin Pan, who is also a professor at uh, Case Western Reserve University and University Hospital of Cleveland. And what we did recently is very interesting. They have, a two mouse models, okay? One mouse model that responds to the checkpoint inhibitors and the other that does not respond. And they have different inflammatory pattern. But from my point of view as a microbiome guy, I said, <laughs> listen, let me look at, is there a difference in their microbiome? And lo and behold, we found that there is differences in the makeup of the gut of mice that responded versus the others. And now, as you can imagine, I would, I would love to continue collaboration so that we look into really the uh, microbiome. And, and, you know, and this is very hot air, especially with, uh, uh, you know, checkpoint inhibitors. So I have a number of uh, colleagues who are trying to crack this nut, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, this is the forefront of science and it's so exciting. Um, and uh, please, well, this will be a great continuation someday as you get more I data so. here, because uh, I'm very interested to see what your findings are with regards to how those different um, those different uh, cultures of of microbiota between the two mouse groups, because um, yes, um, I think that there's a lot of interesting uh, information there. I want to talk. About, to, uh, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, I want go. to tell you also another wrinkle which could be interesting. Uh, in addition, as you, as you can imagine, because I, I worked with fungus all my life, like over 40 years, so you can call me a fungi from that point of view. <laughs> I, we also looked at both bacteria and fungus communities, and we found differences in them. So mm. it's, I, it's really exciting because I, I, I love to see how these organisms interact together. So yes, I hope uh, once we do more studies, I would love to talk with you about that. Great. Well, let's talk a little bit about COVID-19 and depression. Um, and I was looking at some statistics and, you know, when COVID onset in March and April of 2020, there was just an 
efflorescence in the prescriptions of anti-anxiety medications, um, in antidepressants and uh, anti-insomnia uh, drugs. And um, obviously we can trace this back to a tremendous amount of fear and uncertainty. Uh, we can connect that to uh, the overconsumption of alcohol in certain cases. And, um, and this uh, stress and fear and alcohol abuse has direct connection with your gut and your microbiome. And so can you help us connect those dots? Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, this is really, you put your finger on the pulse here. So in, you can imagine, if we think about how we lived in, uh, in with COVID, okay? And it is well known, I, you gave the statistics, like 60% of people, they really are saying they have mental health issue with this COVID, okay? And the number, number of calls, number of calls to help centers increased by nearly 900%. So this is real, real issue, okay? Now, when you look at, okay, what is, what is causing this? There are multiple of factors and you mentioned them. And let's look at the lifestyles because that's really what you uh, talked about. One of them is you, an Italian study, one of them is sleep, okay? An Italian study showed that because of the COVID lockdown, okay, there was an increase in depression, anxiety, and sleep disturbance. For example, 23% in that study reported depression and more than 40% reported sleep disturbance. And you can imagine there is very good relationship between sleep and the microbiome, you know? It's similar to the gut-brain axis, it is bidirectional. Sleep affects the microbiome and microbiome affects your sleep, okay? So let's look at the scenario when we have really good sound sleep, okay? Sleep efficiency and total sleep time, if you measure by these factors. And what you find that the, having this sound, uh, good sound sleep really support the microbiome balance and diversity. And we talk about diversity. So we have good guys living there and also they are diverse. And also this, what they found out that this positive effect of the microbiome in sleep is due to the fact that, remember I mentioned secretion of butyric acid or butyrate. They show, showed that, which is for example, uh, gamma amino, uh, butyric acid, mm -hmm. it's a new new transmitter, as you know, neurotransmitter that's known to promote sleep. So this shows you sleep while you are gonna be in a good shape. Now what happens when we have lack of sleep or sleep fragmentation? You know, uh, you have short, uh, repetitive short interruption of sleep, you wake a lot of the time. This affects directly the diversity of the microbes and guess what? it decreases. Mm -hmm. Also, the really, uh, that's really the most, the most important thing. So having organisms that can produce the butyric acid, having better, better diversity is gonna help you. And that's why I recommend, look, one of the ways to deal with this depression is you really need to have at least seven to eight uh, hours, okay? So that's one factor. So the second factor which we looked at is what you said, Stress, 
And you know, stress, it is not surprising that there is a relation between stress and the microbiome. In fact, more than 40 years, they, people did studies, uh, you know, in animals, and they sh showed that stress can alter the gut microbiome, okay? At that time, they looked at the bacteria, okay? Now, so let's look at how stress may, uh, may affect us. It has really many effects. Number one, if you are really having a stress, you are starting to see an increase in the secretion of inflammatory cytokines, which we talked about, remember? So if you have inflammatory cytokines, like for example, uh, interleukin-6, this is gonna uh, really regulate the inflammation, as you know, making it worse. Also, it affects exactly what you asked me before, the gut uh, uh, barrier, intestinal barrier, okay? Yeah. Where it allows all these toxins, which we mentioned, LPS, mycotoxin, other food, which is not shouldn't be there, so leading to leaky gut. Okay. However, in response to what when we how this happens, sort of the mechanism a little bit to talk about. Uh, in response to stress, the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis produce cortisol, and as you know, cortisol is our body's built-in alarm system. It tells you, okay, fight or flight, <laughs> you know? And of course, because of this, I remember like when I, when I get sometimes into, thank God, it doesn't happen often, but in uh, one, one period of my life, I was really under stress. You find your body becomes so fine-tuned, you know? Your vision becomes better. So, but the problem when you finish that stage, then you have... <laughs> Crash, crash down. So that's yeah. most probably due to cortisol, okay? Which really leads to a number of neurological in, uh, issues, including uh, depression, okay? And that, so this is the second factor which plays uh, an important role in depression and its relation to the microbiome is the exercise. Now, we are talking about COVID, so guess what? We are all locked down our physical activity has really gone down, okay? 70% of people in a study reported decrease in their physical activity. And because of this, we re what are we doing? If you think about it now, how many Zoom calls do we have? It's <laughs> the kids are all sitting at home playing games instead of going out, you know? We are on the phone all the time. So we definitely have a reduction of physical activity. And as you know, exercise is well known to be associated with benefits. You know, when you exercise, I, I exercise in the morning now, I wake up every morning, I exercise. And honestly, if I don't do it, the whole day does not seem the same, you know, but you feel good after you finish after exercise, you know, because in a way also studies have shown that this exercise affect the microbiome in directly or indirectly. And our favorite subject, of course, is increase the diversity uh, of the microbes, okay? When you exercise, you have increased diversity, and we already established that this is a good thing. Also, it controls the balance between the beneficial microbes and the pathogenic one, okay? So now, if, if we have also exercise, that's the other thing which makes us feel happy, you know? We know that our body starts to to, the, to uh, what you call secrete dopamine, 
Okay, our brain secretes dopamine, and as you know, this is a feel-good uh, endorphin. Also serotonin, which is, by the way, 95% is produced in the gut. <laughs> you know, that's, this serotonin. Uh, that's amazing, right? I mean, nobody associates serotonin, this kind of feel-good hormone, with your gut. Yes. You know, everybody it's, thinks it's uh, completely just neurologically developed in the brain. So, yes. fascinating, yeah. Yeah, so that's why I really think with this serotonin, as you say, feel good, make you happy. These are really a lot of advantage for exercise. Also, the inflammation, as you can imagine, goes down. And by going that, we will be in a better, uh, uh, more better mood, less depression, you know. And the finally, the as you can see, there is some subjects keep coming. Okay, diversity, uh, leaky gut, it's all related basically a common mechanism for, for this, these issues, okay? And if we, if we have, don't exercise very well, okay, what will have significant disruption of the gut microbiome? We have the imbalance. We also have this imbalance, as you can imagine, lead to neuropsychiatric uh, issues, including, or disorders, including depression. So these are the main lifestyles really components that could affect our depression hmm. fascinating that's just uh, amazing and i think that uh, you do such a good job at elucidating how this is a two-way street right that yes. we have yes. um for example you know we might watch something on the news that could stress us out. Imagine that <laughs> in this day and yeah. age, right? And this yeah. um, puts us in a state of amygdala hijack or sympathetic overload, which uh, in the amygdala, which kind of in its relationship through the hypothalamus and the endocrine yes. system releases cortisol. Cortisol is yeah. contributing to this disorientation or dysbiosis in the gut. And subsequently, there's all of these domino impacts uh, or effects to that, which include inflammation and chronic disease and uh, negative cytokine development. So, you know, I think it's so important for people, you know, people need to be concerned about public health and what's going on in the world. But my, at least what I've applied to my own life is try to read a little bit more. Don't be absolutely consumed by the 24-hour news cycle because that whole media cycle is built around a business model of agitation, uh, of <laughs> leveraging human negativity yeah. bias to put us in this place of you know, uh, outrage and fear that, that then has all of these really negative uh, neurotransmitter-oriented downstream impacts. And then at the same time, you can do things within your own control that, um, that, for example, stimulate the regulation of oxytocin. Like I was oxytocin, reading about, exactly. um, uh, what is it, lactobacillus ruteri, right? Yes. Which yes. is um, upregulator of oxytocin. So you know, a lot of this, um, people have a lot more control <laughs> than, yes. than than I, than they think they do. You know, I really love what you are saying. I tell you why, about the news. I lived in England for many years, and I used to watch BBC News. BBC News, it was at 6 o'clock for 15 minutes, or 9 o'clock 
at 15 minutes. And guess what? You will know what's happening in the world in 15 minutes. So, so much so that when I was at the American University of Beirut as a student, my English teacher gave us an assignment. He says, you need to write something and then come talk to the class about it. But you have to tell the story in five minutes. And you know what he said? Because BBC tells you all the stories in the world in 15 minutes. So <laughs> to me, uh, honestly, like to me, you are absolutely right. We, I used to uh, listen to NPR and other things. Now I put, believe it or not, in my way to work, I put classical music. I, I just had, I don't want to listen to news because as you say, these uh, uh, newscasters, they don't tell you the good news. Always they want to tell you the bad news, you know? So, yeah. And, well, so, yeah. Well, it's also, they don't have the time to tell you the full complicated nuanced background of a particular issue or situation. This is honestly why I love podcasts because it's this long form information. And to be honest, I listen to you quite a bit and I'm much less fearful because I'm grounded in rigorous informed data and that takes the edge off fear and outrage and hyperbole and scandal and ostentatiousness yes, yeah, yeah. and so you know i i would i would just really urge people if they want to know more about the microbiome then listen to the microbiome podcast or there's many other you know great doctors i listen to dr b or you know sometimes yeah. mark hyman or dr william lee obviously yourself and you know you can be really grounded in some well-rounded knowledge that really takes the cortisol edge off and allows you exactly. to move into your prefrontal cortex and apply some reason and rationality to deciphering some of these complicated issues i really agree with you and you know to really tell you, I am an optimistic person. And I tell people, listen, I know it's hard time. I know it's really something which we did. Like, I am 71 years old. I have not seen something like this now. But I am an optimistic person. And I believe we are going to get over it. Let's follow the science. Let's think about stuff. Let's do the rational things. And as you said, go out for a walk go out for hike. I love one of the best times of the day for me is I have a dog called the Prince. I take him now when I go home for a walk. Oh my God, I love it because we are very fortunate. You know, we live in a great uh, country. We it's beautiful. And you just go enjoy yourself. Don't think about things. Try to meditate. I tell people sometimes, you know, I come from the Middle East, you know, I never thought of yoga, you know, even <laughs> though like in, in India is so famous and this sort of thing, but not as much in, in the Middle East. And guess what? I started to do some yoga before, you know, this COVID and one and a half hour in Sunday, guess what? It really relaxes you because it takes your mind of all this input. So yeah. that's what I would love people to do because we are going to be fine.
<laughs> well, I just want to ask you one more question because you, you mentioned short chain fatty acids. Um, there are three, I guess you might call them famous ones, butyrate, acetate, and propionate, propionate. And, um, they regulate and mediate so much, um, from mood to cardiovascular functionality and pulmonary activity. Um, you know, they have, can have so much influence on, um, sure. uh, on your systems, but they are a byproduct of your healthful microbiome and exactly. they are produced when that microbiome is well fed <laughs> and yes. you know we eat as humans and our small intestine absorbs a lot of food and what it doesn't digest the food moves into the colon and guess what that's the uh that's the main course <laughs> for our <laughs> bacteria so what yes. should we be feeding them such that they can produce um these metabolites that that seem to have so many good effects you know, the short answer to this is we need to feed them fibers, okay? In other words, what fibers? There are a lot of food that has fibers. And sometimes they call it resistant starch, you know? And this includes, uh, you know, oatmeal. You can have rice. You can have multigrain, sprouted grain. All of these, like legumes, different types of beans, this really is very, very important. In addition to that, what I recommend that we should have good quality protein. If we can have uh, plant protein, will be great, okay? But if you like fish, I love fish, you know, because especially mm. salmon and this sort of thing, they have very good, uh, uh, you know, omega-3 fatty acids, for example. So what you need to do is you need to feed these, food, uh, these like the directly one is the fiber. Fiber is a great thing to have. But in addition, we need to give them cruciferous uh, food because in addition to feeding your good guys, you are helping your inflammatory uh, status. So if people start to, to eat more of whole grain, less, uh, more, uh, like for example, low sugar. Low sugar is critical. You know, I... I, I come from Lebanon and we have orange, uh, orange there and I love orange juice. But now I really look very closely at the orange juice that are sold and there's so much sugar in it. So yeah. low sugar is, not, is, a, is very, very important, especially it loves candida. So these are the types of things which I love to have. Asparagus, for example. Oh my goodness. And beetroots, uh, celery artichoke, all of these are good type of food that's going to support your beneficial microbes and keep the pathogens down. Yeah. And they're delicious. People sometimes feel like they have to make these Herculean sacrifices to have a healthy gut. But on the contrary, you can eat so many good foods that, as you say, are whole foods and fiber rich, uh, and you're not giving anything up. In fact, you're, you feel great. And, uh, and, um, you know, I, 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 the cruciferous vegetables for me, I love that. Yes. Um, yes. and, you know, just to have snacks of pecans, 
or pistachios oh. and walnuts with a little bit of blackberries and blueberries on the side. I eat this coconut probiotic yogurt in the morning, which is just absolutely fantastic. It's, it tastes better than any sweetened yogurts, you know? Um, so yes. you really don't have to give anything up at all. In fact, you're getting you're in receipt of nature's exactly. bounty. <laughs> I really agree with you. You know, it's so funny. Once you, you have to try, like go, I have, I tell you a story. My uh, son-in-law, he used to eat Western diet, pizzas, hamburgers, all those sorts of things. And then I don't know what happened. He started to go slowly, slowly to start shifting a little bit. Now, I couldn't believe it. The guy all his life is brought up eating Western diet. Now he's a vegan. And guess what? He sleeps better. He lost weight. He feels good. You know, so to me, look, I know sometimes we go and buy this food. It's much easier to get and whatever. But once you slowly but surely move in the direction where you eat this healthy whole food, you are going to be much better not just you, you and the microbes that live within you. <laughs> I love it. Well, Dr. Ganum, you're such a pleasure uh, to, to speak with. I mean, sleep, no, reduce stress, exercise, a lot of fiber. And my guess is have a lot of fun because you exactly. <laughs> and use this moment, um, this inflection point as an, a way to improve and to uh, connect with nature's bounty, um, to, you know, connect with your family, to connect with your neighbors. And, uh, and we really can remake um, life in a better image. So I think that uh, I um, I'm so, so grateful for all of um, the work that, that you're doing. And I've learned so much from you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Jeff. And, and I hope we can continue this conversation as more data uh, becomes available in, in, in this emerging field of the microbiome, because there's so much happening. It's, <laughs> it's very exciting, you know, just to, to finish, uh, uh, people tell me, are you retiring? I say, no, 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 my friend, I am having too much fun. And I really, finally, I really would like to thank you, Jeff, for having me. I enjoyed it tremendously. And I hope we connect again. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Dr. Mahmoud Ghanoum. For more information about Dr. Ghanoum's work, visit biomehealth.com. Feel free to reach out to me anytime at jeffk at onecommune.com. And if so inclined, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. I'd like to extend my gratitude to the folks that make this show possible, including Jacob Laub, Kamali Martin, Megan Stone, Ruby Foster, Emma Fritz, Silvana Alcala, and Ryan Tillotson. That's all from the commune for this week. My name is Jeff Krasnow, and I am here for you.